Hi, my name's Adam Whitaker and I'm in Manchester. And I'm Neil Davey and I'm in London. And this is the Starters and Sides podcast where today we're going to be talking about all things comfort food considering everything that's been going on for the past 12 months. So yeah, welcome along. Thank you for those of you who uh, have got involved in what was been going on before today's podcast. Thank you so much for all of the, the social media input around what your comfort foods. Uh, it's been great to uh, to have you all involved. No, absolutely. And I just want to say a big thank you to, to everyone who's given us some feedback, some comments on the first episode. Um, many more people were listening than I think we thought, uh, which was which is great. Um, be great to hear from you again. We'll, we'll give you all the contact details and stuff at the end of the episode. Um, and I also want a quick thank you to Will um, for a question about restaurant kits and the at-home boxes. Um, rather than just give the short answer of, well, some will, some won't, um, in terms of carrying on after all of this, um, probably a good opportunity. I think we're going to take a deep dive into that subject and the, uh, the state of hospitality as it returns more fully, well, as we're speaking on the 10th of May, um, on the 17th of May, hopefully we'll all be allowed back indoors. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I also just want to throw in a quick disclaimer. Um, two things. One, I've got my gorgeous dog, Maya, with me today in my office, and she's been snoring on and off all day. So apologies <laughs> if you hear any strange noises in the background. I so they, they, they could also be me. I have a very short attention span. <laughs> um, and also, I my, my office is actually converted... A shipping container so when it rains it feels like someone's throwing frozen peas at me um so if it starts getting noisy the biblical weather that we've been having recently that's probably <laughs> what it is i just thought i'd apologize in advance um anyway and yeah i mean and as for the weather <laughs> i just i feel so sorry for yeah. welcome back hospitality yeah, I, just, I mean i i don't know about you new but i mean i know you agree with this but i i feel so sorry for the, the, the venues that have not been able to open because they've not got any decent outdoor space. But mm-hmm. also those that have, I mean, my wife and I went to El Gato Negro, Simon Shaw's um, Tapas Place in, mm-hmm. in, on King Street in Manchester for my wife's birthday. If it hadn't been my wife's birthday, we would not have sat outside a restaurant that was basically a wind tunnel <laughs> being lashed from every direction with all of the different kinds of weather you could imagine. But, I mean, the food was great and everything was – the staff, all credit to the staff. They were just unbelievable. They're, they're in there. They're wrapped up to the nines in all kinds of clothing to try and stay warm. And they're still maintaining a sense of humor yep. and, and everything else. But I, I so feel for, for hospitality, all of the prep and everything else. And then suddenly, Bank Holiday Monday could have been one of the busiest days of the year and catastrophe. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's been shocking. I mean, like you, we've, we've I've also been trying to sort of eat out um, a little. Um, yeah, the temperatures have been quite challenging. Everywhere I've been, like Rochelle Canteen and Oyster Man and Smoking Goat, brilliantly handled, uh, lots of ventilation, roofs, nice temporary kind of sheltered bits, and then had a, a drink at Vinoteca, uh, in uh, the Bloomsburg Arcade near Bank Station. Uh, called up the friend. It was great, but there was this incredibly defiant, we're staying, goddammit, 
<laughs> even though, I mean, as 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 you were saying about um, your experience, that it's it was it was effectively the end of a wind tunnel, and every table was busy. Everyone's in coats, everyone's in hats, scarves, everything we could possibly get. But no one, yeah, we, it was really early on. It was just after everything had reopened. And we're like, no, we, we're staying. We're down, we're staying. We're having a drink and we're going to enjoy it. Yeah. But as you say, all the staff, fair play. My, I, I would have taken my hat off to them, but it would have been too cold to do so. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it's amazing actually though, because we, we would, my wife and I were discussing around, like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, and we're actually sitting outside in sub-zero temperatures putting these poor staff through what they were going through because we wanted some croquettes you know it's like <laughs> and what, what amazes me though is that so the staff at El Gato and then I think I told you last time we were chatting on the podcast we were going to go to Jane Eyre which is one mm-hmm. of our favourite bars in Ancoats and both there and at El Gato the staff were telling us that even when it was like hailing and lashing. You had still got people coming up going, have you got any spare tables? Because we're just so desperate to sit out there, aren't we, and just get back into it. It's, it's, it's a glimpse of normality. Mm. I think we're just desperate for, I mean, as, as we say, one of the, the reasons we want to talk sort of comfort food today is because it's the kind of thing that's been keeping us going. But it's also that little glint of light at the end of the, tu- light at the, end of the wind tunnel, in yeah. fact, that... Yeah. There is this a chance of a bit of normality, and I can sit outside with a friend. It's not someone I've lived with. It's not someone I've been, yeah, locked down with for the last twelve months. It's somebody new, mm. and I can sit with them and have a drink, and it's like the old times. Yes, it's great though, isn't it? I mean, oh, I, it's, it's I, brilliant. <laughs> I, do, I, I do still really feel for those places that have just not got any outdoor space. I mean, I don't know about in London, but the way up here they've. They've utilised sort of closing off roads and putting tables out and things like that. It's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But there are still those places, like uh, the Hop Inn back in Stoke, you know, my old local pub, great, great craft beer place that just haven't got the space. Of course, yeah, there's no space, is there, yeah. And I, I so it must be so frustrating kind of watching from the outside of things starting to pick up again and they've not been able to do anything. Yeah. But... Anyway, onwards. We, we're still moving on, onwards and upwards, hopefully, from what's been announced, you know, things are going to properly open back up again. And come on, tell me why you said you wanted to talk about comfort food. What is it? Why does this ring such a bell with you? That you- I, I, it's gonna, it must ring bells with everyone, I think, um, right now. It's the kind of things, it's those things that just make you feel good. Don't know, a, hug in a hug in a bowl. Um, which is probably probably stealing somebody's advertising slogan there. It's, I imagine, I mean, it's like the, the the craze for banana breads and people baking and everything. There was just a a real dive back into that kind of world. Uh, things that are familiar, things that just cheer you up, things that make you feel better. Um, I, I always remember, I mean, from your Sentinel column days, that that story you told about your man and the and the stew um and and your obvious affection for that and how there are certain there are certain tastes there are certain flavors there's certain textures certain smells that just take you straight back to a happier time yeah i agree and i think it's i i love talking about food and association 
whether that's food in association with fish and chips at the seaside or you know hot dogs when you're when you're at a market or you know those kind of things but also that association with your past and family and friends and things that I know we're obviously in the industry but so many times when you talk about can you remember when we were in such and such a place and I go yeah we had such and such to eat exactly and I think that's what's the great thing about it all. I mean, I, it was great when you said about us doing this. There's so much that I put some stuff out on my um, my other social media channels, my marketing stuff, and some of the stuff that people came back with was just brilliant. I mean, one of my favourites was uh, anything with mash and gravy is a comfort food, and that's yeah, one yeah. of anything from a takeaway. But you know, it's like <laughs> there are those things that it kind of it kind of really does make you. It makes you warm inside, doesn't it? And it, it makes you feel better about it. And you just kind of go, this is my go-to, and this is what I'm going to have to eat. And it's not Michelin star gourmet food, but it's going to make me feel better. And how powerful is that? No, exactly. It's, I mean, my mashed potato is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you've ever met, if anyone has ever met my mum, she will have told you this story. As, as a kid, till the age of, I don't know, four, five, six, pretty much all I ate was mashed potato and kind of slowly expanded the repertoire to include luncheon meat and then eventually carrots. Um, and the contrast to me now <laughs> eating some very strange things around the world. However, mash is still my go-to comfort thing. It's, it's really encouraging to hear other people have said that, but the same thing, I, we, we threw some bits out on Twitter and the kind of things that came back, even, when people are kind of coming back with international dishes, the, the nasi garengs and, and such like, it's all big, stodgy, comforting food, which what, and for the most part, uh, a few years ago, I was sent a piece about comfort eating as a, a psychologist called Donna Dawson, who commented, so what we, what we forget is that the food we eat is more than a practical matter of sustenance for survival. Specific foods also collect emotional associations over our lifetime, and they become a little thing that means a lot in improving our mood. And then and further down, said, and we associate these particular meals with shared family time, happy memories, and feeling safe, secure, and cared for. When we're older, every time we have these meals again, we will re-experience the same feelings of comfort, warmth, and satisfaction. I think that's exactly what it is, and I think that's exactly why we've kind of gone down that route during the lockdowns, during it's it's not been normal times. We, there is there is a killer disease trying to get us. <laughs> so if, yeah, I think we can spend a bit of time eating chips. I think we're allowed. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and what I really like about this though is I think it, there are almost different levels to it. And one of them, like you say, is the family thing. So. I have really fond memories of, of my nan and I. We used to argue over the fat on a lamb chop and that it would be pretty much drowned in like mint sauce and a gravy. And we, we would like, we would be battling for it. And it evokes such fond memories of my nan. Then with like, I, my, da, my dad and I, probably still to this day actually, we used to love just getting a right, so Stoke-on-Trent, Staffordshire, pie a right pie and it normally would be um a steak kidney pie and plonk it in the middle of a bowl of oxtail soup <laughs> with bread and butter 
genius. Yeah. Just absolute genius. So it's, I love all this. And then, then there's kind of almost the the personal stuff, isn't there? In there, so you've got your your association, you've got your family stuff. But then it's like, what is better? Pardon, sorry, vegetarians, but what is better <laughs> than a bacon sandwich? <laughs> There is nothing better two, in this world. Two bacon sandwiches. Two bacon sandwiches. <laughs> you know, but it's this, I, I love this association thing. And I think I've told you this before, but my mum, when we were kids, she used to make us what she called splodge on toast. And what it was, was basically cheese mixed with tomatoes in a pan poured over toast. It was magical. <laughs> Absolutely magical. But yeah, this... That whole thing isn't there. And then you've got Sunday roasts. And like I say, you've got fish and chips. And you've got all of these things that make food just so reliable, if you like, and reassuring. No, exactly. So if, if anyone just heard an awful lot of water falling, that wasn't um, the, the sky opening near where around Manchester. That was the liveliest bottle of beer I've ever opened in my life. I was trying to do it very discreetly, and about half of it has just exploded over the carpet. That's a really good time, though, (laughs) to bring in. So, comfort beer. Comfort beer. I think uh, that's uh, an an underrated privilege. I mean, back in the the old days, when when you could go into, into pubs and... I mean, so this is this is how 2019 we are. We shared glasses. Um, obviously, and you've got a, a huge love of craft beer, and it's been very infectious to sort of be around. Um, and we'd go to different sort of interesting beer places uh, in Manchester and in London. Huge selection of craft beers. Some really exciting things. And I know we've both done it. We've walked in, seen a list of. 17, 24, 37 different craft beers. Hang on. I'll have a Guinness. Mm. Because sometimes you just don't want to think about it. You don't want to analyse every sip. You don't want to question it. You, you just want something familiar. I think it's, it's time and place and things, isn't it? It's in that, you know, I, uh, I remember one of my favourite beers that I ever had was actually after I did, my wife works for Macmillan for the cancer charity, and we did the mighty hike. So I'd, I'd hiked 26 miles, and we went to this pub up in the Lake District, and the first drink, when we walked into the pub, and it had 20 beers, and, you know, it had got the craft beer that's infused with petrol and smells of unicorn tears. You know, they've got all of those beers, you know, which are great. I'm not that's, knocking that's, it. It's cloud water, isn't it? That's it could be, yeah. Um, I'm not knocking it at all. But... I just wanted a lager shandy. Yeah. I, it was a hot day and everything else. But you're right. You kind of, you go into see some of these places. And I've got to be honest, before kind of we went into lockdown, some of the beer snobbery that had kind of was e- eking through on social media where, or actually face-to-face where I'd go into a bar and someone would go, have you tried the, you know, the diamond-encrusted, you know, tiger feet beer? And I'd be like, nope. And they go, mm-hmm. I mean, you've not tried it. It is 437% and it's £18.50 a third. And you've not tried it. Uh, no, I haven't. I, th- I thought you were interested in beer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, they're all level. <laughs> but then I'd be like, I'd look at this massive board of beers and go, Timmy Taylor's, please. And they'd be like, but there's all this beer to choose from. Yeah, but I just want a real beer now. Yeah. Find the landlord. Yeah. I find it. Wherever I am, I would find it hard to turn down a pint of the landlord. It's just a great 
simple beer. And you you put me on to um, it's marble, I think, is it? A pint of pint. Pint, yeah. I think it's, it's the best name for a really straightforward beer ever. Yeah. But it's it's just simple. It's not overly alcoholic. It just tastes of beer. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> Which is really kind of what I generally want from a beer. Yeah, again, right time, right place, you know, and yeah. trying different stuff. And we were out in the northern quarter yesterday and I was trying some different beers. And so, yeah, great. But, you know, every now and again, you kind of go, nah, I just want a pint of beer. And I just, I, you know, it don't, I don't care how many of these thousand percent beers that there are on and whether it's a limited edition or whatever it is, every now and again, you just go. I mean, another one for me is like Oakham Citrus. You know, Oakham Citrus. Hands down, hands down. You walk in a bar, and I mean, you know, 10 years ago, you went into a bar and got Oakham Citrus, you'd be like, wow, they've got Oakham Citrus. Now it's kind of a go-to beer that's dropped down the list. I'm not dissing Oakham at all, because I love their beers. And Oakham Citrus is still probably one of the best bottled beers that I've had. But you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to have a pint of Oakham Citrus. And funnily enough, one of the, the first time we went out uh, sorry, first time family went out. Um, we went out with the in-laws and the, the few days after the world had opened up again and we went up to the, the Hand and Trumpet Out um, Crewway, which is a fantastic running and price pub, which, I mean, they, they do they do pubs very, very well anyway. But we sat there and it, we were out in the garden, obviously, uh, all very well, socially distanced. It was all done brilliantly. And when I asked what the beers were, and they got a Salopian on, which was great, but then they went, oh, we got Timmy Taylor's. And he went, yeah, there you go. And my father-in-law went, I'm with you. First time I'm having a proper craft beer or a proper beer that's been poured by somebody else and not me out of a bottle or a can, I'm going to go for a Timmy Taylor's. Yeah. I, I, I did Guinness first day out in the pub. I, I can... I, I, we've had some really good beers here at home. We've, there's a lot of great craft breweries been working with on, on various projects down here. We've got some great beers from Mondo and Anspach and Hob Day, and we had a really good selection of beers at home. The one thing I couldn't do at home was a Guinness. Hmm. The, the can is good, but it's not quite the same as having a really good pint poured for you, settling on the bar, topped up, brought to you, that's what I wanted. That's what I was absolutely craving. Uh, and it's those, as I say, it's the familiarity. It's the, and I didn't grow up drinking this. <laughs> um, but that was the thing. It, ju- it just felt like such a, a, a target to, to make it to. And it's, yeah, it, 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 as we keep saying, familiarity is just going to be the, the thing here. When I'm just flicking through some of the, the other dishes that people mention, even. I've got to say thank you again to everyone on Twitter who kind of chipped in with with ideas, and there were people from all around the world with all sorts of different culinary backgrounds. But you've got things like sort of pasta with pesto or a good ragu, sausages and mash, shepherd's pie, cottage pie, um, arroz negro, um, uh, palak paneer, fried rice with the fried egg, Thai green curries, Greek lamb chops, fish finger sandwiches, um, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. sagaloo, goat curry and roti, Welsh cakes, hot buttered toast, 
Are there three better words in the English language than hot yeah. buttered toast? I don't think there are. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's like I was talking to my wife about it and she was saying for her it's Marmite on toast. You know, and it, but it also, this is what I mean as well, it can be a really personal thing, can't it? And I think there's so much we wanted to talk about with this. And actually, I, again, I want, really want to thank all of the people that um, on LinkedIn and all kinds of places where recommended people that talk about our relationship with food and almost from a nutrition and a psychological mm-hmm. perspective. And there's someone like Helen Kimber that I want to speak to more on LinkedIn, who's got a great website. She talks about mindful eating and this kind of stuff. But we kind of felt this is probably going to be something for another time. You know, that that we could go so much more deeper into this. We wanted to keep it just that right now when there is biblical weather outside is that I really just want a Breville toasted sandwich with beans in it, to be quiet. <laughs> you know. the, um, what clearly came up, I mean, the, the, the overwhelming theme of all of this, for the most part, was carbs. <laughs> so what we what we really crave is is carbs, and we we're trying to find out why. There was, there was a great study found um, by Joanne Dixon, the associate professor of psychology, the Edith Cowan University, and Charlotte Hardman, senior lecturer in appetite and obesity, University of Liverpool. And just to sort of quote a little from this, from an early age, infants learn to associate feeding with being soothed in social interaction. In everyday life, food is often used to enhance mood or treat ourselves. Eating tasty food releases dopamine in our brains, which is strongly associated with desire and wanting for food. Eating sweet and fatty foods may improve mood temporarily by making us feel happier and more energetic while also satisfying our hunger. The downside of that, as as they can, is if comfort eating becomes a habit, it comes with health costs such as weight gain. And I know that was something that you wanted to touch on, and and I think we're going to do that in a deep dive, as you say, for a future episode. Yeah, I I, I um the, the days when I used to write for the Sentinel back in 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 Staffordshire, and I I and I know that I've had kind of run-ins with people on Twitter since about this kind of thing of of that I. I don't blame the kids for being obese. I blame the parents, and I don't. The, the kids don't actually go into a supermarket and actually get out their, you know, credit card and buy the stuff. It's the mm-hmm. parents that do it for them. And I mean, I did actually go to a point where, you know, I, I, I'm going to put it out there, and we'll talk about it more at some other point. But I actually think childhood obesity is almost akin to manslaughter and you're actually overfeeding your child to a point that they are they're going to have long-lasting you know health problems that was never their choice and Mm -hmm. for that satiation for that kind of pacification of their child where they'll ram a kinder egg down the throat just to shut them up preferably be taking the toy out first but (laughs) there again um, you know, to me, there's that association, and and I think there's so much of that that yeah, I I I used to get really, I got so passionate about it because there are so many parts of of the UK that have got such a significant childhood obesity problem, and I know we're kind of going off on a tangent, and I know we'll talk about this more in more detail later, but there's that where is that line between comfort eating and basically just overfeeding, and yeah. that's where. You know, it does. It, it concerns me a little bit. Yeah, but that you know, it's one of those. No, no. But as you say, it, this is it's a subject for a, a deeper dive. I mean, we we've long said. I mean, that there is the 
the downside or the, the inevitable thing of yeah two men who've been friends for a certain length of time during lockdown what should we do let's start a podcast and but i think we both want to as, as relaxed as we are and, and as as much as we want to kind of support the food industry and the hospitality industry there's also there's a lot of subjects within this that we just want to kind of as i keep saying deeper dive into that and try and try and find some interesting angles talk to a few different people try and find not uh, not necessarily solutions in a 30 minute podcast but perhaps yeah prompt a little more debate than people might be expecting from what this looks like on the face of it uh, and this this is definitely a, a, a one of those situations there is i know lots of people are kind of concerned about lockdown weight and stuff and that's that's the kind of the other side of the that's a, that's a very different side of the same debate as you say if, if people are appeasing uh, their offspring with things is it where, where do we where do we start to kind of solve this it does it have to go back to education. I mean, I look back on a lot of the sort of, I know the Jamie Oliver programs or the um, the Hugh Fernie Whittingshaw program about uh, battery farming, where talking to regular members of the public, there just seems to be a phenomenal and sometimes quite disturbing lack of knowledge of of food and not necessarily associating. The connections um and also not really knowing where food comes from somebody tweeted recently about their um their son had says so oh, dad isn't it funny there's a meat called chicken and there's a bird called chicken and, and they kind of yeah sort of yeah at some point very soon his world is going to be shattered so <laughs> but there is this sense of disconnect um and and i don't know how we i don't know how we solve it we're not going to try and solve it but we're going to try and throw a light on some of these subjects, I think. Well, it's that thing, isn't it, of uh, you you and I, have, uh, going back to the bacon sandwich thing, you and I have long said, from our days when we used to write for Footloose magazine, and we used to stand outside, you know, St Pancras Station handing out magazines that we'd written in, and we were dead proud. But what we'd always do, it was every Wednesday morning, we'd go and have a bacon and egg McMuffin and probably a cup of hash browns from McDonald's. Yeah. And we long argued that actually a bacon and egg McMuffin or a sausage and egg McMuffin is actually really good, but not every single day. No. You know, and it's that thing where the comfort eating, because nine times out of ten we would be absolutely freezing it tits off standing outside these stations <laughs> handing out the magazine. It was proper comfort food and yeah. it was like reward, if you like. But we wouldn't go and do that every day. Yeah, no, it, was, it was it was once a week. It's that's that's the thing. It's I, I mean I've long argued. I don't know. Um, uh, I think Will Beckett from Hawksmoor. I know he's a huge fan. Of the reason they have the hook muffin on the the breakfast menu at Hawksmoor is this love of the McMuffin. I like to think that scientists at McDonald's hell they've got the money to do it worked out that the absolute perfect percentages of protein and fat and carbohydrate to solve every hangover, every bad mood, every cold morning where you had been freezing handing out magazines outside a station. It was the 99p solution. Yeah. Well, well in those days. 
probably the £4.69 solution. <laughs> and, uh, it's, I'd like to say it's been a while since I bought one, but I actually had one on delivery last week. So, Good Goodbye. That's why yeah. it's that thing, though, isn't it? If, but psychologically, and again, we'll we'll go into this more, I think, at a later point. But psychologically, there was we were really cold. We were dead proud of what we'd done. You were editing the magazine at the time and writing in it. I was writing for it. It was kind of one of my first writing gigs. We're going back what twenty five years? It's alarmingly, it's, it's twenty. It's been ninety nine. So you like we were dead proud, but we were also bloody cold. And yeah. it was like, right, we're going to go and sit in McDonald's and we're going to, this was kind of our little thing. And it, that is the whole thing for me. It's the same with Sunday roasts. You know, I I, um, I would argue till the cows come home, literally, about Sunday roasts. Um, and Yorkshire puddings. Yorkshire puddings for me, I could sit and eat 10 Yorkshire puddings because I just love them. But I wouldn't do it every day and I would have them with the Sunday roast. And surely <laughs> so much of all of this stuff is around moderation and it's around you know, ch- personal choice. But this is where, yeah, I'm not going to go back to the kids thing. <laughs> and we are, we are, we're coming up to a half hour. We always said for these few, first few podcasts, what we wanted to do was to keep them short and snappy where we always, have a bit of Yeah, we always leave them wanting more. Exactly. I mean, we will, we will expand this out. There's, there's lots of things and things we've not got around to talking about today around, you know, I've made Nigella's oxtail bourguignon this week and it was just phenomenal we want to talk about recipes and chefs and and we'll perhaps have a go at doing some of this ourselves and not not live on the podcast but we'll we'll have a go at it in the yeah i think we both said yeah we're gonna we've long talked about sort of going through the same cookbooks together or or, or pulling two or three different things out of the cookery books and trying those and i think a nigella is going to be the first one we we do for this kind of side project to this because it's nigella why, why why wouldn't we it's yeah, every recipe always works there's there's always a, a, a story to it and again it kind of echoes back to the comfort eating she everything she does is just it's just nice that double buttered toast i mean that's just something that, that's a dream that is, <laughs> so I, i've made her, I've, you may have found the three words better than hot buttered toast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who would have thought just, just adding one word mm. into hot buttered toast? Double. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you, you before I bought her book, you put me on to her No Need Life, and it's just amazing. And then when you double butter it, <laughs> they're just it's indescribable. And I don't care how many years I've been writing about food and drink. I couldn't describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's the way it goes. And So, anywhere... You going this over the next couple of weeks? There's uh, a few. I'm doing some repeats. I'm I'm back to the Oystermen. I'm I'm back to Rochelle Canteen. I'm I've got a, a booking at uh, Bentley's, Richard Corrigan's legendary uh, fish restaurant in Piccadilly. Uh, there's a couple of other things trying to to do. Kind of waiting to see what happens next week. I think. There's a few restaurants I'm very eager to get back to. Um, really looking forward to just being kind of in the warm uh, and inside and sheltered. I think we both said before, um, between the lockdowns last year, the and I think we touched on it last episode, 
if, if if we had a reliable test and trace system, not trying to get too political again, that's that's that's, that's my Twitter feed. That becomes all too political. That's so. If we had a test and trace system that worked, I think we'd all agree that any problems that sprang out of hospitality, we all know the pub in our town that caused those problems. Mm. We all know the one. We all know the one that had the lock in. We all know the one that just didn't quite keep to the rules. Whereas every restaurant I went to, they were sitting you diametrically opposite. There were face masks and visors. There was hand gel everywhere. Masks when you left the table. You you had to check in. They made sure you checked in. They made took your temperature before you went in. Everything they could possibly do, they did. And you felt secure and safe in knowing that these were the staff were really looking after your best interest they don't want to get covid we don't want to get covid exactly. and we all want to have a nice time exactly yeah i i as we've talked about so many times over the past year that my admiration for hospitality is it's always been huge mm-hmm. but it's even more so now and it's kind yeah. of you know, I, I really felt for, for places that were doing food and whatever. And, and, you know, there was some places in Manchester that on a day-by-day basis that were deciding whether to open or not because of the weather. And you're like, well, you must have ordered in loads of stock. You must have got, like, food in ready because you probably would have been sold out for tables. And then you have to close because it was just not viable, you yeah. know. And you kind of go, that's where I just... I so feel for them, and I still—I know I've said this a couple of times, but I, I, you know, I'd make no apologies for for saying it again. I so feel for your little boozers and your places that are still not able to open, mm-hmm. places that hopefully will be open by the time this is out. But great, great businesses and great, great places and great people that are just still waiting. But I, I'm yeah. with you. I think. Hospitality has been the leader in a lot of this stuff, and they've taken a lot of unnecessary blame. Yeah, here endeth the politics. Here endeth the politics. Yeah. I guess, and also for, for places that are worried about stock levels and stuff, um, and we've got a list here that would suggest that um, frozen pizza, fish fingers, a couple of loaves of bread, and some tins of beans, and you're going to keep quite a lot of people happy. <laughs> so. And I would also like that potatoes for mash. Absolutely. There you go. We've solved. We've solved the problems. There we go. <laughs> well, brilliant. Great to catch up with you, mate. And um, we shall be putting out this uh, shortly. We shall obviously lead it with the trailer. I just again want to thank everybody for for their involvement and everyone that's that contributed on all the social media. For those of the people that um, I haven't got back to on LinkedIn that that wanted to uh, you know get involved and chat about this, it will happen. We will go into this in a lot more depth because, as you can tell by just this half hour, there's so much more that we can talk about, um, and we will. We Absolutely. will definitely. So, absolutely. No, thank you again. Thanks again. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for for, for participating. Um, it's it's great. It, it, it there, there is always the danger that we feel like we're just talking or, or rambling into a void. And, and apparently we went, which was um, a yeah. really pleasant surprise. Thank you to all five of you that listened. <laughs> uh, no, more than that, I'm just joking. But yeah, so if you, uh, we'd love you to comment on the stuff we've been talking about today. So if you want to head over to Twitter, um, and we're 
the SNS podcast on Twitter. We're also the SNS podcast on uh, Instagram, where what we're going to be starting to do now that places are opening up again is we're going to start throwing a few reviews out there and places that we've been, a few photos, and just brief stuff around things that we're loving while we're out and about and eating. Hey, we're microblogging. We're microblogging. So, yeah, we'd love you to get involved in that. Um, if you've got some recommendations of places you we have to try, uh, up here in the northwest, down there in London and, and down south, um, then let us know um, because we really want to get involved in this and we want you to be involved in this and we want you to, to lead this for us. So we're still taking stuff around what your comfort food is. We also want to know, are there things that you'd like us to talk about? You know, are there some subjects that you want to chat about, that you want to hear us talk about? Are there chefs you want us to chat to? Don't go, like, mad. You know, we haven't got a budget or anything like that. <laughs> oh, those kind of things. What do you want? This podcast, we want it. We just want to enjoy it, and we want to get everybody involved. So um, the more we can get from you, <laughs> the easier it becomes. Oh, absolutely. I think, the, the, we've long said, the hospitality world is a fantastic community. Food, Twitter, um slightly less so now but i think we're trying to claw it back there is there was always a sense of community it was always a sense of people kind of helping each other supporting each other nudging you in the right direction for places to go to things you had to try so yeah no, we're very much as you say we're very much doing this in that spirit definitely thank you very much for listening i'm off to have some squash on toast <laughs> um, and we shall uh, no doubt be speaking to you again soon Cheers. Cheers.